0: Revelation chapter number 13, begin with verse number 8. The Bible says there, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Let's get down to verse number 12. And He exercises all the power of the first beast before Him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship The first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Skip down to verse number 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause. That as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Skip over to um, the book of Revelation again. Chapter number 14. Just two verses in there. Verses 9 and 11. The Bible says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, and the smoke, skip down to verse number 11, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name let's pray real quick heavenly father lord god i love you and i praise you lord i thank you for how good to us you are lord help us lord to be drawn closer nearer to you lord i'll be a mouthpiece lord jesus lord you speak in your name amen hallelujah hallelujah you can be seated now i don't know if you noticed um When we read some of these passages, there are such things that just jump out and they uh, scream at us for our attention that it's almost easy to look over some other things that are in the passage. And it has been something that I've heard for quite a while that I'd really like to, in a sense, refute tonight. Um, But it's something that I've heard and really would have probably even said myself Anyway, um, that I would have probably said myself in a lot the same way uh, if I hadn't really thought about it. But it has been said over and over, not just here. And I don't even know if I've ever even heard it said uh, from Brother Betts I'm just so at all. I don't even know if I've ever heard him say this. But I've heard a lot of others. If you listen to much on Bible prophecy, you'll hear um, this. Especially if, anyway, um, you'll hear this idea that says that at the end. It will be a time that is marked by atheism. Or a time that is marked by secularism. It is a time whenever God will have been forgotten. In fact, some that I have a lot of respect for and I really enjoy listening to, I've heard them make the statement that the Antichrist will be a secular leader. I'm not really going to preach on the Antichrist now. That's not my message. Um, I want to look really almost... Anyway, I'm going to look at something different. But um, uh, they will say that he will be a secular individual. His kingdom will be a secular kingdom. Now, I disagree with that. And I really don't think that matches the Bible. Um, I want to notice just for a few moments, and I want to give us a backdrop, something to frame this with. Jesus said, Paul said... John said um, over and over and over again, they make a very specific statement. They say to beware, to be on your guard, that no man deceive you. Now, in the passage and in the text that we read, in, and I want that as our backdrop, kind of in the back of our mind. When you go to take pictures at JCPenney, whenever my wife you know, when me and goes and... Uh, she's going to get the pictures of the baby, that they decide what backdrop you're going to do, but no one really looks at it and says, wow, look at the backdrop. No, you kind of see it. And it adds flavor to the picture, but you look at the person. That's really what I want. I want that that I just quoted about deceit in the back of our mind, but I want us to look at what we read. I want you to notice that in Revelation 13 and Revelation 14, over and over and over again, there is a word used that flies in the face of secularism and atheism. Now, y'all bear with me because I am going somewhere. Just hold on for a little bit. Um, I want you to notice that it uses the word over and over of worship. You notice in verse number eight, the Bible says, "And all that dwell on the earth shall worship." Verse number twelve, it said there that that the 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 second beast he has all the he exercises all the power of the first beast, and he causes all the world to worship him. You see, in Revelation chapter fourteen, we read nine and eleven that it says there that any man if he worship the beast and receive his mark or his image, then you notice in verse number eleven of Chapter 14 that it says there that they had no rest day or night. They are tormented. Why? Because they worshiped. What am I getting at? I'm getting at that I believe biblically that the reason that Jesus said so much and it is repeated over and over by the biblical authors that we should be on guard and we should beware because of deceit, the reason that they said that was not because they thought that a Christian would be tricked into believing atheism, though there are some that in their anger toward God they claim that, but how can you be mad at someone who doesn't exist? But anyway, I digress on that point. But it is not that Paul thought or that Jesus thought, listen, you're going to be tricked into thinking that God isn't real. or You're going to be tricked into thinking that you can just live a secular life apart from God. That's not what they thought. That is not the danger that I believe faces the church today. That is not what what they were warning us about. Rather, what they were warning about was not atheism and secularism I've already said, but they were warning about rise of false religion. Religion that maybe does not say uh, the name of a different God, but maybe it uses the terminology of Christianity. Maybe it uses the terminology of of church and ease, so to speak, uh, that we're used to, that we recognize. And if we're not careful because the words are used, because worship is spoken, Because all of this seems like it fits. And no one is saying, throw God away. No, it becomes very religious. The end times, even in the Antichrist system, which Antichrist can mean either opposite, opposed to, or in place of. This end time events, the things that set them up, is not a rise of of secularism and atheism, but really it would appear, and I'll give you some more scripture later, but it would appear that it is a rise of religiosity. A rise of people saying, uh, there must be something more than this. Uh, There's got to be something more to what we're seeing. And somehow in the midst of all of that, This not secular man, but this religious man stands up. And again, I'm not preaching the antichrist, but I am using, I'm using, I've given you a backdrop. I think it's the thing that we should be aware of and wary of is not the one that comes and attacks and we ought to have an answer. As I've preached before, you ought to have an answer for the atheist. You ought to have an answer for the one who calls himself an atheist. But biblically, they're really not. But anyway, um, it is not that one so much that we must worry about. It is that one that uses our same language, but yet means something totally different. It is that one that can seem so close to what we are and to what we know is right, but yet they turn the opposite direction. It's not... Not the one that has no power, that has no sign, that has nothing to offer. But it's that one that it spoke of in Deuteronomy when it said there that if a prophet, if one of your sons or daughters arises and they prophesy something and it comes to pass, but then they say Now let us go serve other gods. You stone that one. Cause he's a false prophet and God is testing. The, the end time in my, in, in, in the way I'm looking at this and whenever I get to some more scripture, maybe I can point this out a little bit more. The reason Jesus warned us so much of deceit is because it will be so, in my opinion, religiously saturated, but it will be false religion. Now, just because someone is religious, now you notice we read there in Revelation 13 Revelation 14 that worship is spoken of over and over and over. But who are they worshiping? We read here in our text that it says that they worship the beast. But who are they really worshiping? Revelation 13, verse 2, verse 4. And the beast which thou which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And they worshiped the beast, we read, but hang on, what's behind that? And they worshiped the dragon. Which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast. Saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Let me give you a little more backstory, real quick though. Daniel chapter 11. Start Verse 36, the Bible says there, speaking of the Antichrist, and again, I'm really not preaching about him. I'm trying to preach, uh, uh, I guess you would say, about the atmosphere of the end. Being an atmosphere not of atheism and secularism, but that of religion. Religiosity, and I'm not, anyway, I'm not saying religion is wrong. Christianity is, I mean, much of people say it's not a religion, it's a relationship. I understand the sentiment, but... It is a religion. But anyway, um, uh, Daniel chapter number 11, verse number 36, the Bible says there, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of God. Wait, so he's atheist. No, Listen. "...and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that is for that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor, he, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all." Oh, there it is again! Atheism! Secularism! No! "...but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces." And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. It's not just that in the end the atmosphere is just out of religion. It's not just uh, that, that on the surface it may seem like uh, that we're all getting along. Every religion is enjoying each other's company. Everybody saying, Listen, uh, you worship God. I worship God my way. we are just all get together. And it may seem like at first uh, that everything is looking so good. It may even for a while seem as though it is a revival of religion in general. It will be a revival of Religion in general, it won't be so much. And I don't want to get to anyway. Uh, it will not be so much that those who say I believe in God in general are looked down upon. Yes, the true Christian will be looked down upon, but it will not be unpopular nor unheard of to say I believe in a God. But it goes from that. To the point to where men and the whole world is worshiping Satan. Now you see that clearly as we read in Revelation chapter 13. The atmosphere of the end time. That the Bible says, "...and they worshiped the dragon." They worship that one that raised this individual up in power, that seems to have all the answers, that acknowledges this deity. That maybe he gives him a different, I'm sure he doesn't say, hey, I'm worshiping Satan. That ain't what he's saying, I'm sure. But, but he worships some strange God, the Bible says, that was not known by his fathers. It is a strange deity. But he worships a God nonetheless. It is easy to look around and see religions that use some of the exact same words that we do. You look at Mormons and they speak of Christ. You look at Mormons and they'll speak of Jesus. They'll speak of salvation. They'll speak of heaven. They'll speak of the Bible. But if you don't really listen and look and ask them what they mean... You'll think, man, they're talking about the same thing I believe. But I don't believe Jesus and Satan were brothers. I don't believe I become a god when I die. I don't believe that as much as I love my wife that throughout eternity I'll be a god and she'll be a goddess and we will populate her own planet. I don't believe that. That's not what the Bible says. That is a false gospel. That is a lie from hell. But it is so religious sounding. I don't believe like the Jehovah's Witness do. I don't believe only 144,000 are going to make it into heaven. I don't believe that there's going to be annihilation of the sinner. I don't believe in these things. I don't believe that I'm saved by works. I don't believe that, I, that I've got to do just what this watchtower says, that I can't interpret the Bible for myself, that I need somebody else to stand there over my shoulder and say, don't read this passage, but read this one and believe what I'm telling I don't need that. But it sounds so religious. And it will permeate the end times. It will be a time, biblically, you can see, it is a time of religiosity spreading like wildfire. All over the world, He makes everyone worship. That is a pretty big revival of religion. But if that is the end result, is that this religious wave, so to speak, brings not worship to the true God, but rather worship to Satan. And if that is what is looming, not the old slot of atheism, but the old slot of false religion, a religion that looks really close, how do we get there? How does that happen? How are men and women so deceived and so deluded to the point to where they look and say, I will worship the dragon? How does that happen? Matthew, these are going to be familiar with scriptures, but Matthew chapter 24 verse number 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It ain't that the fire goes out instantly, it just gets colder and colder and colder, and God becomes more commonplace and more commonplace, and you get, and we get more bored with God and more bored. I mean we already know this stuff, we've already heard this, I already know what the scripture says. I've heard this before. And I get bored with it. And because of that, it says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no more priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. But that first part, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It moves from boredom because sin is so abounding. It looks so exciting what everyone else is doing. And it looks so great what the world's got. And it looks so welcoming, this new wave of religion, and it seems like things look so good outside, like a cow looking at grass on the other side of the fence when they're wagging it up to their knees. And they say, That looks better than what I've got. And they leave what's good and get their heads stuck in a fence. Which really can't be pleasant having your head through a barbed wire fence. It wouldn't seem like to me, but anyway, I'm not a cow. God instead compares me to a sheep. That's dumber. But anyway, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and because of the boredom with Christ and the boredom with what is known already as true Christianity, because of the boredom with that, they begin to forsake the Word of God. And in forsaking the Word of God, they leave the only true source of knowledge about God. And that brings you to the place... In Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, the Bible says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he." Because if I become bored with the Word of God and if I become bored with the Bible and I become bored with Christ and I become bored with what I know and I'm just running trying to find something new and I'm trying to find something that will satisfy maybe an inch and i because I got bored with God, I find myself forsaking way, forsaking that which is already known and true and I have a lack of knowledge and because I have a lack of knowledge and I've forsaken The word, I lose my vision of God. This is how people are deluded into worshiping the dragon. Because they have no vision, they find themselves in Psalms 50, verse 21. These things hast thou done. And I kept silence. And I'm going to pause just real quick for a second. I'm not. Please no one take this like I'm scolding or dropping it in. I'm not. I'm trying to say this is what's coming on the world. And this is where it's going to end up at, which is worshiping the dragon. It's going to end them up in hell, the Bible says, in the lake of fire, and going be tormented. Why? Because they received the mark. Because they worshiped this new false religion. Because of that. But how did they get there? And this is how they got there. And we should watch for these things so that we don't end up there. But anyway, Psalm 50, verse 21. These things hast thou done. And I kept silence. Thou thoughtest I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. If that does not describe our world today, especially in America, I don't know what does. God is fine with me choosing my gender. God is fine with me rejecting how He made me. God is fine with me rejecting His marital status. God is fine with me rejecting His laws of morality. God is fine with me. Why is He fine? Because I'm just like Him and He's just like me. He thinks like I think. It is not that I've got to conform my thoughts to His, but He's conforming His thoughts to mine. professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I thought I was all together. And if God is just like me, if I flip Christianity on its head that much to where instead of me being made into His image, I'm saying He's made into mine, then I can do whatever I want. God thinks like I think. He's okay with me bending. He's okay with me compromising. He's okay with me changing. He's okay with me going this way. He's alright with these things. He's just like me. How do they get there? They got bored with the truth. Uh, They forsook the truth and lost knowledge. Uh, In their loss of knowledge, they lost their vision of God. Uh, In that they lost their vision of God, they came to think God is just like me. You get to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. When they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. And then God asks the question, Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Never bit of this really follows that one line that they got bored with the truth. Started with boredom. Everything else looks so exciting. I've got to go this other way. Not losing my love all at once. I'm just, it's growing cold and cold. I'm gonna forsake what I know is right. And before that generation knows what happens, they find themselves amongst a religious wave. But it's a religion not of Christ, but of the dragon. They don't run into atheism and denying the existence of God. They keep the same terminology and they speak of a God and they use the word God. They may even throw Christ in there and just say it's a Christ consciousness. But they are not speaking of the truth. But it sounds so good. And I'm not forsaking God. I'm just finding something new. I'm not leaving behind God. I'm not going into atheism. I'm not denying the necessity of God being a secularist. I still say I need God. Just don't ask me who that God is. They sound so right. And yet they are so wrong. If that is, if I'm correct, and as I said, there are some that would disagree with me and say, "No, the end time is going to be marked by atheism and secularism." I've said that. I've said that before, but I don't see how that is supported when you see that worship is mandated worldwide. This man acknowledges a God. He worships a God. He—it's a strange God. Yes, he does lift himself up above all gods. That's true. Been in the. Secret in his estate, as we read in Daniel eleven thirty eight, he's going to honor a strange god, a god him his fathers knew not. He's not an atheist; he's a worshipper. And you ask him, "Who do you worship?" He probably say, "I worship God." That sounds so good, so religious. But who do you mean? Let me move on though, real quick. I'm almost done. I read. Really don't, I don't know how long I have preached. Looking at my clock, it has not been terribly long. Um, If it has, I apologize. But anyway, um, if that is really the case, if it is that the end time is not to be marked by atheism, secularism, but by a wave of religiosity, if that is true. And if the way that someone goes, really every bit of that that I read from Matthew 24, Hosea 4, Proverbs 29, Psalm 50, Isaiah 8, Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah eight nineteen and 20. Every bit of that is summed up in Hebrews. But it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That word neglect, what he's saying there is almost like you're gripping dry sand in your hand and it just... Flows between your fingers. You just let it slip out a little at a time. But anyway, how do we not fall into this trap? Well, let's go back to Isaiah 8, verse 19 and 20. It gives us the answer. The Bible says there, When thou shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits. And unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living, to the dead? Listen to verse number 20. To the law and to the testimony. What's he speaking of there? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the Epistles. They didn't have the books of John and of Hebrews and of Peter. They didn't have Jude. They didn't have Revelation. He was saying what they had. Let a people, let them look to the law and to the testimony. of words, what He's saying is, look to the Scripture. And if they don't speak according to that, they don't have any light. Or He would have been saying any, it wouldn't do injustice to the text to say, He was saying they don't have any truth. Psalm 119 verse number 9, we'll read a few verses from Psalm 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 104. Though thy precepts, I'm sorry, through thy precepts I get understanding, uh, therefore I hate Every false way, verse number 105 right after that one, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What am I getting at? I'm saying that if we have any hope to escape this onslaught of wave of coming false religion, this onslaught of saying everything is right and nothing is wrong, or this onslaught of saying I know they don't believe right, but I like them and I think it's okay, this onslaught of just being tolerant of that which is not true, We're going to have to know the Word. I'm going to have to know the truth of the Word of God when it comes to salvation I'm going to have to know that it's not just that hey I start going to church hey I turn over a new leaf but no it is by repentance and acknowledging that mankind is a sinner before God that mankind has no hope apart from God that there's not a spark of divinity which these things are all very popular that I'm quoting right here that there's not a spark of divinity in every man and if man this lives a good life. God will accept him. No, man is sinful. And I've got to know my own condition apart from God that I am not good, that I am not righteous in myself. Paul said in me, there dwells no good thing. But my sufficiency, my righteousness is of Christ, that yes, I must and a man must repent. I must know the truth of salvation. I've got to know that there is a clear distinction between what the world says and what we say. Not what we say, but what God says. I've got to know the truth. I've got to know that not everybody's going to make it. I've got to know that's awful and sad and I don't mean that flippantly. Please don't take it that way. But I've got to understand that just because someone does a miracle or does a prophecy or does something Jesus said on that day there be those that came and said Lord, Lord, in your name we cast out devils. In your name we heal the sick. In your name we prophesied. And we did all these mighty works. And Jesus looks at them and says that then I'm paraphrasing right here. And I'll quote what he said in just a second. But as if he was saying, none of that mattered. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I believe it was Brother... Um, man, his name just shot right out of my mind. Um, Brother Kenny Morris, that's who it was. In his message, when the battlefield becomes a park... He said, I don't care if they can grow a foot on a peg leg man. If he ain't preaching repentance and he ain't preaching the cross, he's a false prophet. He said that with a lot more force than I did. But um it's good when he said it. But anyway, I've got to know truth to insulate myself from the law. And I'm right at that, I promise. I've got to know the truth of salvation. I've got to know the truth of holiness. That a man must live a righteous life. I don't become righteous by my deeds. But if I am saved... I ought to live a life of obedience to God. I ought to. Let me quote John Calvin real quick. Uh, John Calvin said that if a man does not have an overwhelming and an utmost deep desire to be holy, that man is not saved. Now, those that say you can sin and none of it matters after you get saved, you just live any way you want. John Calvin, as much as I disagree with him on things, he would have said they were heathens. I've got to know that yes, Christ paid the price for my sin. And yes, His righteousness is imputed to me. But I'm expected. The Bible says if any man's say that he follows or that he knows Christ, that he ought himself so to walk, even as he walked. Now, I I'm, promise. I'm, anyway, I need to quit saying I'm almost done. I really am. It may not seem like it, but I really am. I've got to know the truth. of of salvation I need to know the truth of holy living Uh, I've got to know the truth of the power of the Holy Ghost uh, that it's not just some uh, just some infernal power out there that anybody can have but Jesus said that the world cannot receive it for they've not received Him so it's not just that everybody lives how you want do what you want and then you just say a few words in tongues that's not real I've got to know the truth of the power of God. I need to know the truth just to simplify it. And if someone comes to the panel, I will quit. I've got to know the truth of the Word. If it all starts, and I believe you can make a very strong case that it does, with becoming bored with what I already know. Then the way to avoid that is to fall in love again with old truth. Truth is a strange thing. It doesn't change. It's not that it has an expiration date. Either it is true or it is a lie. Either something has always been true or it has never been true some may say well science has changed on things well that's true science ain't always true the bible speaks of science falsely so-called great definition of truth that i've read in a book by greg bonson he said truth is man thinking god's thoughts after him i like that god don't change he does not lie, he does not equivocate, and he's not going to look at anybody and say 50 years ago I said it was wrong but now it's okay. God is God, he is sovereign, he is sure, he is steadfast and unmoving. If I have his truth, why would I look for more or anything else? That's all standing I need to be done. Done my best to deliver my message. I don't think that really I've got to, I mean, and we ought, we should be on guard for every attack. And if someone goes through a hard time or something happens and they don't understand why, there is that temptation that a person could face to, God, are you really real? I understand that. But I don't believe that's what's going to really define the end time. I don't. Biblically, it is going to be a wave of religion. That if someone is not careful, if a person does not watch themselves, since it welcomes everyone, it would be easy to get swept up in it. I believe that is what we must watch for. And the way that we guard is by His Word. So here's my altar call. It is general and it is simple. Tonight, what I would like for us to do, what I would like to challenge us with as we come up and pray, is Lord, help me fall in love with Your Word again. I'm not saying anyone don't love the Word of God. Please don't. I don't think y'all need me to give those caveats. It's not what I'm saying. I'm preaching to myself more than anybody being honest but I don't want to fall and I don't want to wake up one day and find myself worshiping a dragon and realize that I'm being cast into hell because of it without hope. I need to be on guard now. And I do that by being in the Word. And if I do that, I'll be like David when he said there, because of thy precepts, I hate every false way. Let's recommit ourselves to be people of the book, to be people of the Word that know their God. Let's find a place. Let's pray.